Well, John, we just entered into the new year. So what does 2023 look for you? What are you excited about this year? What are you doing new? What are you changing? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm riding this wave of, of video. I mean, that's for sure. So, I mean, my hope is that um, long-term, because I, I work with a lot of agencies and, and advertisers generally, right? I and mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what my community and what my audience is. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the High Level Spotlight Sessions, where we showcase awesome marketers doing awesome marketing. Today, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by a legend, Mr. John Loomer. He is an accidental marketer and founder of John Loomer Digital. John, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, man, thanks so much for having me, Chase. So I got that intro from John, and the accidental (laughs) marketer part has me very intrigued. you, You tripped and fell into marketing? What's the story there? Well, it's weird because like I am I'm not your natural marketer. Um I was a philosophy major in college. Okay. I uh and when so my first exposure to sales was my first real job, I guess, as a telemarketer. Nice. And I was horrendous at it <laughs> because I hated telemarketers. So like someone would tell me no, I said, okay, have a good day. <laughs> and uh and so like nothing I did really, I would say nothing, but like eventually I started getting into like, uh, uh, this is, this sounds like I'm on a tangent, but fantasy sports and fantasy sports for business purposes. And that led me to the NBA. And when I worked for the NBA, I didn't even realize what I was doing. A lot of times was marketing, mm. uh, because it was like overseeing everything, right. It was, it was overseeing content and like the magazine and, you know, a latest product and, and create new products and things like that. But I've never been someone who likes to sell anything. Um, so that's why it's like, okay, I got laid off a couple of times um, and then needed to do something, started a website, had to create a product, had to make money. But I'm not like one of those people who was like, he's all over the place trying to pitch stuff to you. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, my, it's always been a soft pitch for me. Like you come to my website, you've been there a lot. Maybe one day you'll buy from me. Doesn't have to be today. And that's kind of the way I've always approached it. Um, so that's why I kind of I consider myself more of an accidental marketer. Well, I can relate. I'm the same way. I, I hate having to sell things. I prefer if people just choose to buy them. Um, but I right. will say, you know, I've been doing this for a while and you, you were everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like there was a time when, John Loomer was all over my feed left and right. And um, I'm curious. So like, you know, you were obviously established as one of the top Facebook um, ad experts or, or Facebook experts in general, I would say. Did, did that come from your time at the NBA? Is that where you kind of cut your teeth? Yeah. So back in 2007, I still remember there was like a, this young kid straight out of college who came into my office. He's like, hey, we, we should work with the Facebook should do something with the Facebook. And I could not wrap my brain around whatever it was he was talking about. So he didn't convince me. He convinced somebody else that we should partner with the Facebook and um, someone who was higher up than me. And so we partnered with the Facebook to create an app. So that was before you could create your own app. And that was right when it was opening up to everyone who was older than high school and college. So there were only 50 million people on the platform at the time. And so I needed to create a profile in order to, I was supposed to help manage the first NBA Facebook group before there were pages. That's just wow. how, how long ago this was. 
so that was my first exposure. But and from a personal sta- standpoint, I just fell in love with the platform because I was a kid who moved around a lot growing up. And so there's so many people in my life who's like, I'm never going to hear from them again. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you just put in a little search and there they are. And like, oh, my God. And then you're connecting with them. It's crazy. So I fell in love with the platform, but I was also using it from a business point of view, um, moved around a little bit, did some things. But I was getting experience, you know, uh, with with Facebook um, and eventually Facebook ads. And then when I started my brand i was using facebook ads to promote it and that's ultimately what led to this because it wasn't so much as like i want to start this facebook ads education business mm-hmm. i just created a website started writing about stuff because i had nothing better to do i had to fill my time didn't have a job and i wanted to start building that brand i used facebook ads to promote it and then i started telling people and teaching people how i was doing this and that's really what ended up sticking i, I can remember going through your tutorials on things of like well, I'm in Facebook and that button isn't there. What the heck? And then I'd like find a John Loomer tutorial and it would be up to date. And I'd be like, ah, okay, now I understand where I need to go. How frustrating was that? I mean, Facebook has changed, you know, interfaces so many times over the years. I can't even imagine how many times you had to go back and redo content. Well, it's it's good and bad. Um, it's good because if, if Facebook stayed the same forever, no one would need me. Sure. Um, they just learn it and that would be it. Uh, but the fact that it's always evolving and changing and creating frustration and confusion creates a need for my services. Um, but beyond that, you know, I, I mostly gave up on like updating stuff <laughs> because I, like in the early days, those first couple of years, I was writing every day. So, you know, I've, I've written, I've written, you know, over a thousand blog posts over the years and uh, I've updated some of the stuff that's, like, I think it was last year or the year before, I just had sat down. I was like, okay, I've got to do this. Like, there's certain blog posts that are kind of like cornerstone about a topic. Like, we'll say it's like custom audiences or something like that. It's so outdated. Instead of creating a new blog post, I just need to update it. So I went mm. through and just started updating stuff. But beyond that, that's that's one of the part the problems are like with training, right? I created training and I, I focus on it being live for the most part because of the understanding that... And three months from now, it may no longer be relevant or there might be a huge change. And that's just something I've had to embrace. It's also why, like, for the most part, my focus is on live generally. Like it's it's a community is is the source of, of, you know, my my revenue. And it's just teaching stuff in real time and not worrying about, oh, I've got to update this thing. And as somebody who committed to the challenge of staying current and, and being a, a teacher of what is current, did Facebook ever bring you into the fold? Like, did you get sort of like a direct pipeline of, of new information from them? So this was, this was always an uncomfortable place for me, right? So on one hand, you want to take advantage of those types of opportunities to get an inside Mm-hmm. voice and whatnot the other hand i think this starts with getting accusations of being told that, that you're being paid by facebook and sure. that you're a shill for facebook and things like that. that and then so and just not wanting that um mm-hmm. i mean we didn't even buy facebook stock which obviously ended up maybe being a regret to a point. <laughs> but it's like i don't want there to be any doubt about whether you could trust my information and it being completely just 
not inspired by I'm going to get paid for this uh, by Facebook or by some other person uh, for telling you this. So like if Facebook does something I don't like, I will tell you that they did something I didn't like. Um, so I think in the early going, like I, an example would be I had, uh, there's a developer on Power Editor. Remember Power Editor from way mm -hmm. back in the day? That was before mm -hmm. there was Ads Manager. And I would kind of go back and forth with him. It's like, you know what, this, this feature would be great or something like that. Um, and so, and beyond that, like there was a, a PR contact I had for a while. They, so wait, are you uh, saying that he would listen to you and, and, yeah. and you, you directly influenced the product in some ways? <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, I don't, I mean, I could take a whole lot of credit, but <laughs> we, we had some back and forth. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, where it got a little uncomfortable for me, it went through everybody, but they were talking about, you know, bringing me out and stuff. And I, I just, I don't don't like it. <laughs> so you've never been to the campus? I've never even been to the campus. Um, but the funny thing is like, I've, I've heard from people who work at Facebook who will tell me that they've been following my stuff for years. And like, they're, they're on the development team. Mm -hmm. And there's someone who told me this, this a few months ago that they know that a feature took off once I've written about it. That's cool. Which was pretty cool. It made me feel really good. So I've never really had that really deep connection with Facebook. I know that disappoints people a lot of times. They're like, oh, if they've got this problem, I'll contact John. He'll, he'll have a connection. He'll put me in touch with somebody. And like, I have none of that. I have no magic fingers at all. But uh, so that, that was intentional though. That's smart. I mean, it's smart and it's commendable. So I, I, I can completely understand. So talk to me about the, the transition. I mean, we've all seen kind of you know, Instagram blew up and then they bought them and which made total sense. And now they've retained, you know, dominance over everything. And then in comes TikTok and, you know, has just been changing things at a, at a rate that I don't think we've ever seen before. How has that been for you? I mean, did you jump on TikTok right away? Were you hesitant? I <laughs> uh, did not. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, I think as recent as probably September of last year, I I still thought TikTok was kind of a joke. I thought of it as dances and memes and like when even when people are doing business type videos, they're just they're always pointing at text on the screen and stuff like that. Um, and I was like, this is dumb. I get it. <laughs> so I refused um, to to really jump on board with that forever. Um, I was stubborn and trying to do things the way I've always done them, but it really got to the point. Really, as a business, um, I try to do everything the way I'd always done it, which is like I've accidental marker, also ex accidental CEO. I've never started a business before. Mm -hmm. So when you start a business, you've never started a business before. You're, you're not necessarily thinking about, I want to create a business that is going to last 10, 20 years from now. I was just like, I just want to create a business that makes me money right now. And mm -hmm. so I I found ways to be efficient and I, I really was avoiding change at all costs. And eventually that hurt that hurt my business that hurt everything so it came to a point where it's like i gotta put up or shut up i gotta do something different uh what's it gonna be and the glaring obvious change i needed to make was i need to start creating videos which mm. i had avoided so beginning in october i completely committed to it I created some really bad videos to start <laughs> uh, but just started like you know recording and editing publishing two or three videos a day um, and I'm eventually then carried that over from TikTok to Instagram reels, Facebook reels, even YouTube shorts, even though I can't get any traction there. 
Um, I'm using those videos mm. for uh, LinkedIn. Also using some of those videos, the audio of them for my podcast, little podcast shorts. And it's been a, it's been eye-opening. It's like, you know, hearing from people because the emotional connection you can make with people through video. And it just, I just feel kind of silly that it took me this long to get there. Mm. Well, I feel like it's kind of nice in, in a way that TikTok dominated so hard that Meta had mm -hmm. to pivot themselves. And now the format is kind of the right. same. You make the content and you, it plays on all three and, you, and now YouTube shorts as well. Right. Um, I was interested to hear you getting no traction there. Um, I, it's funny because I think I've seen a lot of people echo that, but bet long-term on YouTube shorts because of the fact that it indexes and, and YouTube yeah. is actually a search engine. And so do you think the, the, the views will come around as those sort of mature? Yeah. And I have seen like some that did, did okay. I think, look, I never listen to one person's uh, uh, experience with something and say, okay, that never, never works. Uh, like I've accumulated 14,000 subscribers on YouTube over, you know, 11 years or whatever. I imagine most of those people aren't active anymore. Maybe, maybe they don't care about marketing anymore. Maybe they've all retired because they're old now because it's been so long. <laughs> but so like the fact that I have those subscribers really doesn't do anything. Um, now, I'm also not deeply invested in the YouTube platform. So mm -hmm. I'm not in there like, you know, watching other people's stuff and doing all the things you really need to do if you're committed to a platform. But sure. you're right. It is very helpful. Like my commitment really wasn't so much to TikTok, even though like I did say like I want to become, you know, the, the biggest, most followed Facebook advertiser on TikTok. But the truth is that doesn't even matter because the, the the format's the same. I can apply that to Facebook Reels, to Instagram Reels, to these other platforms. And that's really where overall I'm I'm making the biggest impact. I mean, the the old practice of sharing links, sharing links, sharing links that I've always done because it's driven good traffic for me wasn't working as well anymore. Um, even with the you know 195,000 or whatever followers on Facebook. Um, start creating these videos and I've never really used Instagram for the same reasons we've been talking about. Um, I've only used it as a placement and then start publishing those videos. And all of a sudden I'm hearing from so many people like, Oh, I haven't seen you in years. Like, mm. which was kind of painful a little bit. You know, it's <laughs> like, I've been creating stuff. You haven't seen it. It's because I was doing it, you know, doing it wrong. Uh, Cause I was stubborn, but uh, mm. so that's been the biggest thing for me is like, it's not even one particular platform like, oh, that exploded. Um, it's just this commitment to the format. And look, I'm only a few months into this. I'm already seeing impact. It's it's this new, again, uh, emotional connection I'm making with people that I hadn't made in several years. So have you seen any explosions on TikTok? I mean, you hear that like it's the one platform where you can just be a brand new account and throw up a great video and get a million views and, you know, nah. a day. I haven't had anything like that. Um, so um, comparison, it's a really good comparison because I have about the same number of followers. I have, a, I think, about 6,000 followers on TikTok. I just hit 5,000 on Instagram. And... Every once in a while, I, I'll have a video on TikTok that might get 15, 20,000, maybe a little bit more than that followers. My my best video so far on Instagram it was yesterday. It was like 14,000, not followers, uh, watch, uh, views, plays. 
yesterday was 14,000 plays. And so it's like, I, I, I don't think I'm necessarily your uh, go viral material, uh, but <laughs> it's- uh, Sell yourself short, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it does well, right? So yeah. it's getting to a point where I'm getting, you know, way more engagement than I've seen in a long time. And it's, you know, it's tougher to manage and it's good. It's good. So let me ask you, because I'm sure there's a bunch of folks in the community watching right now who are kind of at that same point too, where it's like, all right, I get it. I'm going to have to make this transition into creating this form of video. Have there been any tools or um, tips or whatever that you've picked up along the way that's made the process of creating these videos a lot easier for you? Yeah, look, um, first of all, just use the app. Um, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, whatever, and, and start following these videos. Um, I think that was probably what mo was most valuable to me because I went into it thinking I'm just going to record a video and publish it and hopefully people engage with it without really thinking about how people engage with it and like what does well on the platform. Mm -hmm. And like, and, and then getting, having the experience of having a feed and being like, after three seconds, nope you know, flip it to the next one. Like, why was it that I did that? And mm -hmm. what, what is it that I need to do? And kind of learning from that first. So, but also follow people who know what they're talking about um, and, and stuff like, like you really appreciate their videos. Like, oh man. And then you start asking them questions. That's one, one of the things I was doing. I, I started asking like, what's, what do you use for captioning? I mean, that was one of the things I asked people a whole, mm -hmm. whole bunch of times early on or, and now I get these questions all the time. Like, what do I use for <laughs> caption? And the truth is this, like, when it comes to software, like, I'm always kind of hesitant to tell people because I use what I'm comfortable with. It's not that, and it's not even stuff that was made for this. Mm -hmm. Like, I use ScreenFlow because I've used ScreenFlow for- I was like, just going to say, are you using ScreenFlow? Because that's what I use too. <laughs> yeah, I've used it for a decade. So I have a, my my iPhone, which records all of my- you know, headshot stuff, sitting on my desk. And at the same time, I record screen flow to pick up my microphone and pick up my screen when I, when I need to do that. Um, it is probably not efficient, the most efficient way to do things, but it's what I'm comfortable doing. Like I've, I've tried to use CapCut for the editing process. Mm -hmm. I, 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 maybe it's because of my experience with screen flow that it doesn't work the way screen flow does. And I don't like all the snapping and stuff that happens in there um, that I find it frustrating. So I basically use ScreenFlow to do all of my editing and then I move it over to CapCut for the captioning. And who knows, like three months from now, I might have a completely different process. So I like that's, I understand that that's one of the most popular questions for anyone getting into it. But I think also, first of all, ask what is the software that I use now that could make it, that could be easiest uh, to create and edit these videos. If you don't have anything, then yeah, you'll, you'll have to start taking some suggestions from people. Mm -hmm. I've, I mean, I can relate. We're, we're building out a new product marketing team. And, you know, when I sit down to think about things, every we produce a lot of video, but it's all horizontal, right? And now it's yeah. like, so right. wait, are we really going to commit to like doing a second version of all these videos or right. try to retrofit the horizontal into the vertical screen. I mean, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot going on and it is. Yeah. It, think about. You can even like, before I really started using TikTok and I've published a couple of things to it, you can tell that that's what I did. I, like I recorded widescreen and then I zoomed in and mm -hmm. created us uh, that, that um, long, that tall, tall version. 
and it looked like garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, you can't do it that way. But I think for the most part, we're moving in a direction where there's nothing that's horizontal for the most part. There's very little that's horizontal anymore. So either we're going to be straight nine by 16, or it's going to be four by five, or it's going to be square. But there's just very little horizontal. I mean, I know YouTube, you still have that, but which is um, kind of weird, right? Do you use yeah. uh do you use like Apple TV? Do you um yeah, yeah. Do you use YouTube on your TV? I don't, I don't. So like I do I do it all the time. I love to that watch sense, my yeah. YouTube subscriptions on TV, and it's so weird with the shorts because they dominate yeah. the feed now, and it's like these 10-second clips on my TV that are like this. <laughs> so I'm like, this is such a weird point that we're at right now. <laughs> like somebody figure this out. Yeah, and I don't know the answer for that. Uh, but it, it absolutely, that was seriously one of the obstacles for me is like, how do I record this and be good for that, that platform mm-hmm. for that? Um, because everything, I, everything I had done was wide. And the first thing was understanding is like, oh, I don't need some special camera. Like these phones are really no, good. That's the, one of the best parts. Right. And like, I find a lot of TikTok stuff that works well is just holding your phone and pointing at your screen like filming my screen and people don't care like that seems to be what they want to see yeah i refuse to go that route but a lot of people do (laughs) a lot of people do it because i also like like, i like because i I don't like like showing like my ad account id and stuff like that like Uh, i'm being i I make sure to like be able to edit it out and stuff Mm -hmm. but um no i mean so i i use i used a i iphone 12 i think before and i just got a new iphone 14 pro like mm-hmm. oh it's it's so <laughs> good like it's, be- it's certainly better than anything i could do with my webcam you know yeah for sure so. that's awesome well john we just entered into the new year so what does 2023 look for you what are you excited about this year what are you doing new what are you changing i mean i'm i'm, I'm riding this wave of, of video i mean that's for sure so i mean my hope is that um, long term? Because I, I work with a lot of agencies and, and advertisers generally, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what my community and what my audience is. But I understand I've got something here with this video stuff, because there's so many people who are like me. Just a few months ago, they're like they know they need to get into it, um, mm-hmm. but how? how? Mm-hmm. So I I think I'm gonna, you know, the, as this builds up. Um, I think I'm going to be helping people more and more on that side of things as well, whether it's starting a video editing agency or, or whatever that may be, it's going to be mm. a new territory. I've got, my life is changing. This is kind of a weird tangent. It's going to seem like, but last summer was like when everything kind of broke for me in that my uh, middle son moved on to college. So my two oldest oh, wow. are in college. My youngest yeah. son moved on to high school. So for the last 16 years, I've been a baseball coach for my kids. <laughs> and and it's it's taken up so much of my time that honestly, it's been hard to focus on business, especially the last few years. So once my youngest moved on to high school, it's been okay, now it's time to work. And so it's it's been a new life for me and just trying to figure out, you know, what is what is my purpose and how can I help people the most now? That's interesting. I feel like there's kind of two levels to the challenge, right? It's first getting agency owners, consultants doing it for themselves. And then the next question becomes, well, how can we 
sell this in a scalable way to our clients, right? How do we then get our clients to be able to do this so that we can help them succeed? And, and I, you know, I think there are two unique challenges that uh, there's, you know, it's an open sea for the folks who, you know, figure this out. It is a challenge, right? I mean, as an agency and managing clients, on one hand, you really want the client to do some of the work. Like when it comes to social media, because they know their business better than anybody. They know their voice. They have, you know, hopefully the cameras and the people around and all that kind of stuff. And you want them to, to take control of some of that stuff. But not all of them have the time or willingness to do it. And sometimes they just want someone else to do it for them. Uh, so that, that I think that's where video could absolutely come into play, whether it's okay, telling the client, now go video this stuff, tell them mm-hmm. what to do, send it to us and, and we'll cut it up for you. Yeah, okay. that can that can work pretty well, right? Are you in on um, sort of the trends? Because I feel like a big part of this style of video is a trend pops up and it's like, oh, okay, you're supposed to like do this for two seconds and then cut to this or whatever and then you know that's what people want to see this week are you up on the trends yet no this is where i'm still an old old fogey (laughs) well here's the problem um i i i think it's misguided for those of us who want a very focused audience Hmm. right like you shouldn't really want i don't i don't want to say you don't want to go viral you got you certainly have benefits of that but if you go viral, that means that you that you are mainstream and you created something that appeals to everybody, right? But if you have a very focused potential client, mm-hmm. do you really want that, right? So, because um, then next thing you know, you have a huge potential audience, but just like Facebook, just like anything else, if you have a bunch of people who follow you, you don't care about your, your real stuff, not just your mm-hmm. viral thing, but your real stuff, your day-to-day they're just going to tune you out and that's bad for the algorithm. <laughs> so mm. you, that's, that's, that's a good things. point. Like, if you go yeah. viral and you gain a bunch of followers who the next day realize, wait a minute, I don't want to follow this person that, right, right. that could be shooting yourself in the foot. So when it comes to trends, I kind of look at, uh, again, this, this might be the wrong way to look at it. I, and maybe <laughs> I just need to get there. Uh, but I see it the same way. Like I'm going to create stuff that I think is interesting. That's going to appeal to my target audience. I'm not going to let someone else, that sounds so old saying this. I'm not going to let some others, someone else's uh, trend tell me what kind of content to create today. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I I see the trends as being, you know, what is my audience talking about the most right now? What do they care about? What are they asking about? As opposed to what dance should I do or something? What filter should I use or, you know, whatever. Um, I just, as a business owner, I just don't, I don't see any of those things as being important. I think that was a really good tip, right? Or, or a place to start. If I work, you know, we used to work with a lot of med spots. I mean, you can't go wrong with that kind of hat on, right? Well, what are our customers interested or curious about or wondering what's new in our industry that they have questions about? I mean, that's a pretty tried and true way to create content. What did you say? Anything. That's, that's how I wrote over a thousand blog posts over the years. I mean, all of that was pretty much answering questions. What are people... What are people, you know, asking me already? Mm-hmm. Um, what do I think they might be asking? And writing a blog post about it. It's the same thing with videos. 
Have you have you uh, dabbled with any of the new AI stuff with ChatGPT? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a little scary. Look, you're talking to you're talking to a guy who took this long to even get into video, and now you're <laughs> going to tell me to use AI. Like, and look, it's it's scary to us who've been around for a while because we immediately see ways that it can replace us, mm. right? But it's also a matter of. First of all, you should probably not be scared of that. Understand how it works and be able to leverage it more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what I'm trying to focus on the most. Like uh, I wrote a blog post about ChatGPT and you know how it can impact marketers and things like that. And one of the things I did was I fed ChatGPT the content of that blog post. And I said, hey, give me three blog post title ideas. Mm. And I, I used one of those ideas like that. Uh, that's a pretty good, good title. Um, so stuff like that. Like yesterday, I think it was or a couple of days ago, um, I did a video using ChatGPT to generate purchased event code for your Pixel. Because mm-hmm. it's me personally, I'm not like a super technical guy where I don't just have it memorized. If I need to mm-hmm. put it in, a, you know, I go find it. And But here you just like type in your situations. Like, hey, generate pixel event code for a purchase of this product of this value and it generates it and copy and paste it um so it's stuff like that like there are opportunities to make us better at our jobs too now there are opportunities to make us lazy as well like i don't i'm not totally on board with having chat gpt writing articles for my for my website yeah i'm with you um but I, i will say I think it was yesterday. It was sort of late in the day. My brain was like starting to fog up and I was trying to help somebody, I think with uh, a nurture sequence ideas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, wait a minute, let's, let's try this chat thing. So I have been, right. I'm like, what are 10 common um, yes. concerns about whatever? And it's mm-hmm. spit them out. And I'm like, well, here we go. We have 10 email topic ideas. So now we just write, you know, have your client answer these 10 things the way they would. And you've got 10 pieces of great nurture content. That's amazing. I mean, I think that's, I look forward to using it in situations like that. It's great for for brainstorming and yeah, you run into writer's block or or something like that. I mean, I had asked it, like one of the videos I did actually, as I asked it, you know, what are the primary obstacles that Facebook advertisers face? Mm. And like, man, I mean, it was, and the thing is I've, I've asked it that multiple times and it comes uh, up with a different answer every time, but it's like, yeah, those are good answers. <laughs> and so I, I think it's look, you're absolutely going to have people who can really easily generate a website like that. Cause they're just going to say, Hey, write me an article about blah, 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 blah. And then it's going to write a whole bunch of articles. And, um, I'm really curious to see where that goes, right? Mm -hmm. So first of all, would like Google and other search engines care whether it's AI generated? Google has said that they will care and they don't like it. So that's interesting to consider. So Google has, yeah, they've taken a stance of like, we don't want to see artificially generated content and we're going to try to figure out if it is or not. But here's the thing. What if the user doesn't care? (laughs) Because isn't that really what matters? That's what they say is most important. Right? So that, that's where I struggle is like, yeah, I, I don't, as, as a marketer, I'm like, and someone who writes, I, I hate the idea that someone would just throw up a website with a thousand blog posts on it that they didn't write and put in the, the, the work in it. And it could actually be decent. Um, mm-hmm. That said, like, 
if you don't have, I'm, you know, I try to, you know, always, I think, I think from our perspective, we always want to say like, why that's not going to be as good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think not having a, a, a true personality behind it, I think will be a negative. Uh, like not having perspective, right? Like AI can't really provide perspective or life lessons or life experiences and things like that that you can inject into these articles or they can make it, it up, I guess. Out, it spits out a lot of inaccuracies and falsehoods too. It's do, but to very, like... con- very convincingly though. Yeah, exactly. Which makes it even more dangerous um, in some regards. But I like the script thing. That's a really interesting, yeah. I've been, telling myself I should play with it with CSS, like generate me some CSS for whatever, because, you know, I don't remember any of the CSS stuff. Oh, I'm terrible at CSS. I have to, I have to do a Google search of CSS all the time. Right. So what if I get good at just asking the right questions for it to spit out CSS, that could be super helpful in my day. Absolutely. So, well, and and I think about like my website, um, people come to my website looking for answers. Like there, that'd be pretty awesome if there's some sort of chat, extension to my website where they it learns from the content on my website people ask it questions and it's just like the real person's answering it wow you just made me think of what if you combined it with like a uh, a hot jar or a microsoft clarity mm-hmm. like the, yeah. the heat mapping stuff where right, it's right. like <clears throat> just starts talking to you like hey <laughs> i'm noticing that people aren't scrolling past the first two paragraphs of this page you should probably go work on those two paragraphs right <laughs> i mean well that's the other thing like people have used it to like they will write an article put it into chat gpt and say hey clean it up you know mm-hmm. uh, clean up the grammar or, or whatever and it will and so it, it could potentially make us better writers i don't know maybe um but yeah i, th- I think that's the main thing is like we shouldn't th- there's lots of reasons to be kind of concerned about it and hopefully we'll take care of uh the things that are unethical um but from a marketer's point of view there's so many powerful things that can make us better and more efficient sure. in our jobs too uh, John, I could chop it up with you all day, but um, I want to be cognizant of your time. Your community is the Power Hitters Club, correct? Tell me about right. that and uh, who's it for? Yeah, so I started it, man, I think about nine years ago now. And uh, it's a private community, Power Hitters Club. You can learn more about it at powerhittersclub.com. And it's primarily for agencies and those who advertise for others. Um and uh, so we, in addition to the private Facebook group where you can you know, build relationships with other people and kind of answer questions and get answers from the community, I have weekly strategy sessions where it's, it's honestly pretty great because I'll, I'll learn from these people who are in there as well. I'm just like, what is everyone else seeing? You know, okay, I've got this problem. How would you all approach this? Uh, so that's like a, a live one hour session we do every week. I do uh, live webinars once a week get access to my, any training I've done and uh, also get to book one-on-ones at, at a huge discount. So that's, that's power Hitters club. So go to powerhittersclub.com, but you can also just go to johnloomer.com and get my free stuff too. Awesome. John, I really appreciate you coming on to hang out with us. Yeah. Thanks so much, Chase, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for watching guys. We'll see you in the next one.